Hey guys, welcome back to the Road to Madness podcast. I'm Mindong. I'm Matt Giglio. 32 days until the 2020 season begins. Yeah, oh, it's been amazing. It's, it's so fast. Um, tomorrow marks one month away from, from the 2020 season. Yeah, we're going to do an episode tomorrow, but uh, you know how Sunday episodes go. They're not the greatest in, uh, in recent history, uh, so we have decided to do it on a Saturday. But with that being said, only four more Saturdays until uh, we have college basketball on the weekend. So uh, that's pretty exciting. I mean, a lot of very interesting things are coming up and a lot of very good commitments here for this breaking news. So I'm excited to talk about it and obviously excited to cover the American Athletic Conference preview for today. Yeah, so let's kick things off with those high school commitments. Uh, first off, 2022 five-star prospect Sky Clark has committed to Kentucky. 6'3 combo guard from Tennessee. Chose Kentucky over Memphis, UNC, and UCLA, which rounded out his final four. Ranked inside the top 15 for his class and top three for combo guards. Um, talks about him reclassifying to 2021, but that remains unlikely. First recruit for the class of 2022 for Coach Cal. And if he does reclass to 2021, he would join four-star Nolan Hickman. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I really like this uh, pickup here. And obviously, with Guy Clark, uh, personally, I thought he was going to go to UNC. Uh, but unfortunately, that's not how things turned out. Uh, I did I did put a little money bet on it, and I did lose $5, unfortunately. But uh, it, is, it is what it is. But regardless... Scott Clark is a very good uh, guard. Uh, he's one of the best I've seen in a while. And for that class, he's a very good one. Uh, Kentucky's definitely getting a good guy for 2022. And if he does reclass, I wouldn't be surprised. I think he definitely can. He definitely has the talent to be able to do so. So that's definitely a big question mark. And if he does join 2021, that's a very good gift for them for this uh, following season. But uh, 2022, regardless, still a very good pickup here for Kentucky. Yeah, um, I thought he was going to shock the world and choose someone outside his Final Four, which is the chances of that were probably slim to none. So, yeah, Kentucky, obviously, if I were to choose someone in my Final Four, that would be Kentucky. Coach Cow, he gets what he wants, and obviously he gets Guy Clark. Yeah, I mean, for the future, I definitely think they're going to get a couple more five stars. I mean, you're seeing – this incoming class to Kentucky, it's going to be a very loaded one. We'll obviously, we've obviously talked about it before, and we'll talk about it later in our SEC preview. I think the SEC is the last one that we're actually doing uh, for all high majors conferences. So, uh, obviously, you have to wait till the end to see that. But uh, that's going to be a very exciting one regardless. Uh, next up, 2022 four-star uh, prospect Joseph Pinion has committed to Arkansas. Uh, 6'6 small forward from Arkansas. Chooses the hometown team over Baylor, Creighton, Kansas, and DePaul. Ranks inside the top 100, inside the top 30 for small forwards. This is the first recruit for Arkansas in the class of 2022. However, expected a lot more following Penny on here because Arkansas have been very strong for these past couple of recruiting classes. And uh, what are your thoughts on this pickup? Yeah, it's a great pickup, and I can't stress enough how terrific of a job Eric Messelman has done in his one year, one plus year in Arkansas. He just completely turned that program around. Yeah, I definitely agree. It's just tremendous what he's done there. And hopefully for the future, uh, it just keeps picking up. I mean, these couple uh, past recruiting classes have been very good ones, especially 2020. And Arkansas is another team we'll talk about, obviously, in the SEC preview. So definitely stay tuned and a couple weeks now for that SEC preview. Mm -hmm. um, next, 2021 four-star prospect, 
Daron Holmes has committed Dayton, 6'8 power forward from Florida, chose Dayton over Florida, uh, Arizona, Tennessee, Texas Tech, Virginia, and many others. He's ranked inside the top 50 for the class of 2021 and top 15 for power forwards. Uh, highest ranked recruit coming to Dayton in its history and will join three-star Malachi Smith. What are your thoughts on this for Dayton? Yeah, I mean, this is just crazy pickup for Dayton. Uh, obviously, like you said, highest recruit in their history, and that's just really impressive. I mean, A-10 doesn't really get that many high-quality prospects, but uh, coming into Dayton here with Holmes, this is a very good one for them. And uh, I expect this team to definitely be another legit contender for 2021. You know what's what everything's being lost at 2020. I think a ton of good quality guys in this A-10 conference will be gone after this season. So uh, will they step up and emerge as that top team again? I don't know. We'll definitely see what happens. But a couple other teams have gotten a lot of very good prospects as well. George Washington and St. Joe's, just to name two of the many. So uh, very good pickup here for Dayton. I'm excited to see if they can pick up some more momentum uh, alongside Holmes here. Yeah, very good pickup for Dayton. Um, Coach Anthony Grant, more than capable of recruiting, and people forgot he won the Coach of the Year award last year for all of college basketball. So he, he's definitely a very good coach. Yeah, and for Dayton, uh, A10 is coming up next for the next episode, probably. So uh, definitely be prepared for that one. And Dayton in a very interesting situation here now, obviously, without their top player, Obi Toppin. But thankfully, Jalen Crutcher does come back. So I'm excited to see where they can rank in our A10 for next episode. All right, uh, next up, uh, Rice's Riley Arbercrombie, Arbert uh, I think that's how you say it. He has received the waiver to play for this upcoming season. Uh, transfer from Boise State. He will have three years remaining. Uh, he's played in 17 games, and he only averaged one and a half points a game and one rebound, and he only played in four minutes per game. Uh, for the Conference USA, Rice, we did have them both at last, uh, but now with Arbercrombie being eligible to play, uh, do you think they'll see some improvement? Um, sure. I don't think they'll, I think they'll stay in the bottom three. Definitely. They just lose too much from that team last year and that team last year struggled a lot as well. So yeah, I could see them being in the bottom three, maybe not last, but they're definitely in the bottom three still. Yeah. I'm going to have to agree with you on this one. Uh, I do like the waiver here, obviously for Eric Crombie, but, uh, I just don't think Rice has that firepower. They just lost out on so much. Like you said, uh, two of the top guys did transfer out, and uh, a lot of other things went downhill for that team this past season. So uh, I do I do agree with you. I think they could move up a couple spots, but they're definitely going to remain in that bottom three for the Conference USA for me. Mm -hmm. And last piece of breaking news, the NCAA has approved teams to play up to two multi-team events for the upcoming season. Obviously, teams have branched out and made their own uh, multi-team events or bubbles, as we like to call it, but a team can play in up to two now before it was it was only one and plus multiple teams multiple conferences can bring multiple teams into that multi-team event as well um, this increases the amount of total games to be played by these teams and is this a good choice here for the upcoming season yeah i mean i definitely like it i mean the more games the better uh, that's pretty much all i got to say about it so uh, i'm excited to see because uh, a lot of these uh, multi-mtes will be uh, non-conference games so um, i'm excited to see it and the more basketball, the better. So I definitely agree with the decision here. Yeah, uh, same here. Um, you know, all the low mid-majors, they're struggling to find non-conference schedule games. And so I believe that this is a very good decision.
And without further ado, uh, the American Athletic Conference Preview. Uh, we like to call it the American. I don't understand why the athletic is in there, but people call it the AAC. No, it's called the American. So uh, we're excited to get into this one today. Obviously, this is the bridge. The bridge has finally uh, changed to the high major previews officially. So uh, definitely excited to get this American out to you. Uh, this conference, we talked about it in previous weeks and previous months. This conference is going to be one of the toughest ones to rank, and it definitely showed with our preparation. And I think it's anyone's conference still. I mean, we, we do have the same number one spot, so we'll get to obviously at the end. But uh, I think this conference is going to be anyone's, and anywhere from three all the way down to probably number 10 is pretty much anyone's game. Yeah, um, same here. We've been saying that for the past, I don't know, a long time, ever since this this show has ever gotten started. We've been saying this for a very long time. Who will come out of the American? Who will be in last place in the American? It's just, there's so many questions to answer. Yeah, so I think without further ado, we should just get right into it. Obviously, for those of you who are new, uh, we do player of the year uh, for each conference, the dark horse for each conference. And then we will rank the teams today from 11 all the way to number one. So big moment here. We're cutting the tape. Uh, who is your player of the year for the American Conference? Yeah, um, my player of the year, obviously, Jaden Gardner of East Carolina. Obvious choice here. Um, we obviously did interview him. Um, episode 25, you guys haven't watched that. Very good episode. First special guest. He's a great person. Um, but you might, you guys might think he, this is a very biased choice, but he was the runner-up last year, and he played absolutely incredible. Uh, 20 points, nine rebounds, two and a half assists, and – on 53% field goal shooting. And those numbers would definitely improve with an improved three-point shot that he talks about that episode. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's somewhat biased, it's somewhat not biased. I definitely agree with that player of the year there and Jaden Gardner. Uh, it was a pleasure talking to him. And it feels like it was forever ago since we talked to him. It was about 40 episodes ago if you actually do the math. So uh, that's pretty crazy just to see how far I've gotten since that interview. But uh, – my runner-up is going to be Tyson Jolly at SMU. Uh, Jolly is definitely one of the reasons why SMU should be very successful this upcoming season. Uh, he averaged 14.5 points a game, six rebounds, and two and a half assists this past season. I definitely think he will be one of the focal points on the SMU team, as I hope to see a ton of improvement for this upcoming season. And I'm really excited to watch this SMU team play. We're definitely going to talk about them later in the episode, but we both have very high expectations for this team for next year. Mm-hmm. And Dark Horse, none other than East Carolina as well. They clearly have the pieces to be a very good team. Uh, they return everyone except one guy and even had a, a top recruit in Noah Farkinen, who was, a very, he was actually a, four, a high four-star at one point in his high school career. Um, I really hope this team makes the leap. And talking to Jaden, he said there were very many freshmen that, that got their feet wet and they just seemed ready to go. Yeah, I mean, I definitely would have had East Carolina here as my dark horse as well. But I do have a different team. But don't get me wrong, East Carolina definitely expected a very good season this year in the American. Uh, my dark horse, however, is South Florida. I personally don't think in this American conference there is a true defined dark horse. I think it's honestly a ton of teams that could be a dark horse or none of teams that could be a dark horse. But South Florida would definitely have to be mine if I had to pick one. Uh, this team definitely loses one starter for the upcoming season. They do return to the top option in Collins, as well as bringing in some very good transfers led by Rahul Toshiwa from Texas Tech. And two guys to watch out for, Alexis Yantra and Caleb Murphy. 
Uh, Yonts are definitely coming in off an of injury. And Caleb Murphy is a recruit uh, into this. He was the highest recruit for South Florida for this upcoming season. So watch out for those two guys. And I definitely think South Florida has the pieces here to be a very successful team. So I'm really excited to see what they can do in this conference for this upcoming season. Yeah, um, they're finally healthy. They're, they're in full strength now. And they're definitely teams to look out for in American. Um, number 11, I have none other than the Temple Owls, sadly. Um, but they're, they're two years away from, from legendary coaches. Uh, Fran Duffy's retirement, and they still need to find their footing. Hopefully, they can be back to that perennial tournament team they used to be. Yeah, uh, unfortunately, I do have Temple here as well. Uh, I like the hat. It's a very vintage hat there for Temple. But uh, unfortunately, we do both have them at number 11. Uh, this team loses four stars from last year's squad. They do not bring back a double to the score. And they don't really have any key guys coming back for this upcoming season. So I definitely think it is a rebuild up, up ahead for Temple. But uh, Coach Dufri, Tungvri, uh, he's the athletic director now at Temple, which is pretty good news for them. Obviously, their athletic director uh, went to actually BC as BC's athletic director. So, uh, yeah, Dunphy is now the athletic director for Temple. But, uh, unfortunately, he cannot be the coach still. But it is what it is. Uh, Temple definitely still in a rebuild. So that is why I also have them here at number 11. Mm-hmm. Um, number 10, I have Wichita State here. This is a very I, – I, I can't even explain this. Um, Greg Marshall, don't get me wrong, he's a very terrific coach. But clearly, um, the past couple weeks, it's what makes him – it's what he is as a person that's making players leave. Losing six guys is not ideal by all means. And they do gain very little. I mean, yeah, they do have a bunch of Jugo guys and Gilbert from UConn. Um, but other than that, their best returning player is Dexter Dennis, who also returns. He's a very chance to be special, though, after testing the waters the past two years. But I see Wichita State being a very struggling program this year. And Greg Marshall's seat, that's very in question as well. Yes, uh, I definitely agree here with Wichita State at number 10. It is very weird to see them this low, but I just think in all reality, that's what it's going to come to. And I think, first of all, like you said, it all depends on Greg Marshall. If he's coaching, this team will definitely be up a couple spots, I think. But I just have serious suspicion that he might not be able to coach. And without him as coaching, uh, this team could definitely be in a lot of trouble uh, as much as they already are. So, uh, like you said, six guys gone. Six, uh, three of those guys were the top three options on that team for last year. Uh, although one of them did graduate, uh, they still lose out on their top three. So, uh, they do return two stars, like you said. Dexter Dennis, one of those guys looking to make an immediate impact now that a lot of guys are gone on that rotation. And like you said, Gilbert also coming in from UConn, definitely going to help them right away. But uh, like, like you said, if Greg Marshall is not coaching with this team, I don't know if they'll be the same team, and I don't know if they'll be that successful team in Wichita State that we all know and love. So uh, that's why I got them here at 10. A very skeptical number 10 here for me. I think it all depends, first and foremost, on their coach. Mm-hmm. Number nine, I have Tulane here. Ron Hunter, he's a fan favorite. He's the, probably the most popular coach in all of college basketball, especially during his days at Georgia State where he fell off his chair during that tournament win. Um, if you guys didn't know, he's never played a possession of man-to-man in his life. He's, he's the king of the zone. You could say Jim Boheim is, but I'm going Ron Hunter here because he has never played a position of, of man-to-man. Um, hopefully his zone defense will be effective with all that high major talent he got from the transfer portal. And, yeah, the Ron Hunter effect is in place. 
Nah, I don't know about king of the zone. I mean, Bayheim, comparing that to Bayheim, I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. But uh, Ron Hunter is definitely one to obviously play zone. I would definitely not call him the king of zone, but he's definitely a top three coach in all of college basketball that does like to play zone. And uh, obviously he is a very fan favorite coach. I remember that iconic moment of him falling off a chair. And his son, I'm pretty sure his son was the one that had the game yeah. winner, RJ he used to be a former Boston Celtic. I uh, don't know where he is right now, but uh, hopefully he's doing some good things wherever he is. But uh, let's talk about Tulane now. Uh, this team definitely will see some success finally. I mean, this team finished with four conference wins this past season. They do lose out on five of their top uh, six, however, but they do bring in four very high major transfers coming in. So those guys will be an immediate impact right away. So uh, I just think the future is still looking bright for this Tulane team. They still probably will be in the bottom three, but uh, this is a very good step in the right direction for them, considering what they were and two, three years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, number eight, I have UCF here. Uh, UCF, very tough spot for them. A couple of weeks ago, they really looked like a top half team, but with Colin Smith uh, out for the season now, um, they're now towards the bottom half, even with CJ Walker and Darius Perry from Louisville coming in. Um, Depp is just a big, big issue here. Yeah, I do have UCF one spot higher, so we will be doing a flip-flop here. Uh, my number eight is Tulsa, surprisingly. Yes, I know Tulsa had a very impressive season this past one, knocking off some very impressive teams along their way. And they did share a three-way tie for first place in the American last year, at least for the regular season part. Uh, this upcoming season, I don't think that will be the case, unfortunately. They do lose two of their top three options. And they do lose a ton of bench rotation players as well. Uh, they do return Rochelle. Uh, who will be one of the best guys on that team. But they're going to need some other guys to step up alongside Rochelle if they want to be a pretty good team for this upcoming season. Mm-hmm. Um, flip-flop, I have Tulsa one spot above you at number seven. Um, and speaking of impressive, they were projected ninth last year in the American. And obviously you said they came tied for first. And they do lose a lot, but the whole nation clearly slept on this team last year. There's no reason to sleep on them this this year again. and they're dangerous no matter what, and they've proven that. Oh, yeah, definitely don't sleep on this team. I mean, don't sleep on any of these teams. I wouldn't be surprised if Tulane has a couple very good upset games as well, and even UCF, who I have here at number seven. So uh, UCF, like you said, top option, Colin Smith, opted out of the season. Very unfortunate news for them. I do still think UCF is in a very fine spot for this upcoming season. Uh, they do lose two other stars as well, but they do return a top scorer in Green Jr., and the most important thing is those two transfers, like you said, C.J. Walker from Oregon and Darius Perry from Louisville. Uh, those two guys are definitely going to be a very big impact right away for that UCF team. So although they do lose out on Colin Smith, I definitely think this UCF team will be all right, especially with those two guys coming in for the team next year. Mm-hmm. Uh, approaching the top half at number six, I have East Carolina here. Obviously, this is my dark horse. And there's a very good team. Like I said, everyone returning, I like, I value experience over hype. And Jaden Garner, he's a very experienced guy, but he's also probably the most hyped up guy in this American League, American Conference this year. Uh, Hopefully they can play better defensively and around Jaden, the supporting cast got to play better as well. Yeah, for my number six, uh, this might be very, very weird. I do have Houston here at number six. I, I don't know. I don't know where Houston will rank, but something tells me I don't know if this team's going to be that good. And uh, unfortunately, 
and who is out on guys to the NBA draft, such as Nate Hinton, who is out on guys to injuries, such as Fabian White Jr., and the list just goes on and on about the very terrible things uh, that Houston has lost for this offseason. And uh, don't get me wrong, they still bring back their top two options, and Caleb Mills and Quentin Grimes, those two guys definitely going to be two very good players for this upcoming season once again. They also do bring in Shani, a center from Arkansas. Uh, he will be a very immediate impact player right away. I mean, this Houston team does not have a center. And, and against some of these teams who have very dominant centers, that might be a big problem for Houston. So uh, I do have them here at number six. This might be a little low for them. But something just tells me things might go down south, as they already have for Houston this year. Yeah, um, I have Houston at number five, one spot above you. Um, like I said, like maybe two months ago, we'd have this team as a top 20 team in the nation. Uh, episode 50, our last top 25, we, we, ha we dropped them. And we stated that we're probably still a top 30, 35 team. I don't think they're there anymore. Um, clearly shows with our, my number five and your number six ranking here in, our com in their conference. Um, Good guy, Nate Hinton, obviously leads for the draft. Fabian White Jr. out for the season. And while they two return a good group of guards in Grimes, Mills, and Sasser, the big men in the league, like you said, they're just too good, too skilled. And that's just something the team doesn't have at the moment. And they haven't proven defensively yet that they could guard them. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy how things can change so quickly. It feels like just a couple of days ago, we had Houston in our top 25. And uh, as days goes on and on, teams just get better and better. And unfortunately, Houston just got – they didn't really do anything except lose out on Fabian White Jr. And that's just very disappointing news for them. I still think they're a very good team, don't get me wrong. But I just think a couple of these other teams in the American are going to be a little bit better than Houston for this upcoming season. All right, my number five, I do have a flip-flop here with you for number six. I do have East Carolina here at number five. This might be a little biased, but I definitely believe in the hype for this East Carolina team for this upcoming season. And obviously, so is our top guy, Jaden Gardner, who it was just a, like I said, I'm just going to reiterate it. It was just a privilege to talk to him. Such a very good guy. And he's looking to have a very good season once again for his junior season. And uh, this team, like you said earlier, they pretty much return their whole rotation, just lose that on one rotation guy. And returning Newton as their second option as well definitely helps this team a lot. And the scoring is definitely there for this team. And like you said, the only thing that's not really there right now is a defense. So if the defense can pick up, I think this East Carolina team can overexceed their expectations and be maybe a top five team in this American Conference. But if things go a little bit uh, undirectional as they did this past season, this team could move down a couple of spots for me. But I think it all depends on that defense because this team definitely has the pieces to be a pretty successful one for this upcoming season. Mm -hmm. Number four, I have South Florida here. Yeah, they've been very, they've been struggling hard to stay healthy the past two years, but finally this year looks like their year. Alexis Yetna uh, had to redshirt last year to a season-ending injury, but was the freshman of the year two years ago. He is by far the best player when he's healthy, and they don't really lose much either while adding, like you said, top 100 recruit Caleb Murphy. Huge expectations I have for this team. Yeah, I agree with you, and that's why I have them as my dark horse at number four. Uh, I just think this team's going to be a very good one. And if they're healthy, they're going to be a very good team, definitely a top five team in this conference. But if things start to get a little bit down south for them as well, they can definitely move down a couple spots as well. And uh, injuries definitely have rattled uh, this team before. So I wouldn't be surprised if someone got injured uh, here and there for the South Florida team. But obviously you got to hope and pray that it doesn't happen to this team. But I definitely think this team is a little bit injury prone. But if they're healthy, 
This team's definitely a top five team in the American Conference. So that is why I have them here as my dark horse at number four. Mm-hmm. Top three. I have Cincy at my number three spot. Um, Cincy, they've always been the team I've, I've liked in this conference. And they were also finished tie, one of those teams tied for first. And they were most likely going to be in the tourney. Um, sadly, Jerron Cumberland and Trey Scott, they were the fr- fr- faces of the program for so long. Uh, now they leave, but getting David DeJulius from Michigan and Vanauskas from Colgate, this, that those two transfers are huge and will be inserted into the starting lineup, which already have Chris Vogue and Keith Williams. Um, I, I think this team will barely miss a beat. Yeah, I agree with you here. Cincinnati is definitely another very dominant team, despite, like you said, losing Jerome Cumberland and Trey Scott. Uh, thankfully, 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 Keith Williams and Chris Vogt do return. They did test the waters for the draft. So if they were both gone, uh, this would be a very different conversation we would be having right now about Cincinnati. So uh, obviously those two guys are back, which is very good news for them. And as well as bringing uh, Julius from Michigan is very huge as well. So Cincinnati, like you said, I don't think this team will miss a beat. The firepower is definitely still there for this team. So I definitely think they will remain a top three team in this American Conference. Mm-hmm. Number two, I have SMU. Um, let's throw it back four years ago for this SMU program. Semi Ojale and Shake Milton. Those days were, were the greatest days for SMU. I really enjoyed watching that team four years ago. Um, but sadly, they, they lost in the first round of the tourney. Um, this this year, I feel like it'll be their year again. They returned four stars while adding uh, Ani from Oklahoma State. I wouldn't be surprised if they bought four all-conference players. That's just how dangerous this team is. For the first team? No, or just in general. In general. Okay. I, I, was, I was very questioning there. I was like, what? Because I, I know they did bring in three all-conference players for last year. So, uh, yes. four – Four is definitely not out of the realm of possibility for this SMU team. And uh, speaking of that team, I do have them at number two as well. Uh, this team's just looking to make the jump, and I definitely think they are officially back. Uh, despite losing one starter, and they do bring back three doubles of scores, and Jolly, Davis, and Hunt. Uh, this, they have a very underrated transfer in Ani. Uh, he's a pretty solid one coming from Oklahoma State. Very good defensive-minded player, and that's something SMU needs, definitely. So uh, they have all the pieces to hopefully make it back in the tournament. And like you said, they haven't made it since 2017 and a very heartbreaking loss to USC. I believe it was a one-point game, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, to SMU is definitely back. I expect this team to probably make the tournament unless things start to go down south because a lot of these teams uh, in the American definitely have a possibility to just get one guy injured and then their season kind of falls apart. I mean, it happened with Wichita State last year. Memphis obviously happened with them. So uh, definitely expecting SMU to have a very good season. Uh, if everyone can remain healthy. Mm-hmm. In our top spot, a team that we somehow haven't talked about yet is Memphis. Months ago, I wouldn't have Memphis in my top three for this conference, but now I, I easily have them as the number one team. Penny done a terrific job. He's gotten Landers Nolly, DeAndre Williams, both eligible, and he's got a five-star center in Musa. The whole core of talent of last year returned as well outside of James Wiseman, who I wouldn't even – call basically he wasn't on the team (laughs) so hopefully they don't lay an egg like last year and hopefully something doesn't happen last year like what Wiseman happened yeah and what a turnaround indeed it was for Memphis I do have them on number one as well obviously last year was definitely supposed to be their year one of the best recruiting classes in the nation and that was in 2019 and uh 
they do lose out on obviously Precious Chua and obviously uh, half year of James Wiseman. I mean, we still don't really count it, but uh, they do return Jeffries and Lester Quinones. Those two guys are definitely going to be starters for this team once again for this upcoming season. And then to talk about the offseason moves, man, oh, man, this Memphis team made a ton of offseason moves, and they probably had one of the best offseasons in all of college basketball. And they got Landers Nolly from Virginia Tech, DeAndre Williams from Evansville, and Musa Cisse, who did reclass. Uh, these two guys are going to make immediate impact for this Memphis team. So uh, this team might be more loaded than last year, believe it or not. I know James Wiseman's a very special player, but obviously he was there for half the season. So I think all in all, this Memphis team is going to be more impactful than last season, we hope. I mean, things could definitely go down south for this team as well. We definitely saw it last year, like I said earlier. So, uh, But I, all in all, in all, I think to watch out for this team because Memphis looks really legit for the American Conference. Mm-hmm. They do look very legit, and they're by far the deepest team in their American top-to-bottom roster-wise. Yeah, I mean, I'm just really excited for this conference. I mean, we said it plenty of times for the past couple of months. American Conference is one to watch out for. And we don't know how many teams will make the tournament from this conference. I definitely think maybe three or four teams can make it this year. That might be an overstatement, but I definitely think there's a chance because the American is just very competitive and very talented for this upcoming season. Yeah, I definitely think this is still a multi-team bid conference. Obviously, I feel like they're going to get at least two, but I wouldn't be surprised if they got three, four, five. Five, five could be a stretch, but I think it's definitely possible. I think at least two or three, definitely, maybe four or five. But regardless, uh, top to bottom, this conference is a very good one, very competitive one. Uh, I do expect a lot of upsets regardless. I think a ton of upsets. It happened last year. I definitely think it's bound to happen once again for this year. So some of these teams you might see further down the list for the American definitely have a chance to move up a couple of spots because I think this conference is anyone's but maybe besides the number one team, Memphis. But uh, after that, I think it's anyone's ballgame. Mm-hmm. And our next episode, the next conference we'll be covering, the A-10. That's one, that one's another one kind of like the American outside the top two or three. And I'm very excited for that one as well. Yeah, you know, I'm ripping the hometown UMass. Finally get to cover them. Uh, it's been a very long awaited time to cover them. But this year, they're going to have a very good year. Uh, obviously, I do not have them at number one or two. We kind of know who those two are going to be. Maybe. I mean, we didn't hear about the injury last episode. Uh, if you didn't hear about it, go back and look at it. But uh, that could influence Richmond. I'm not going to get into more about that. But A-10, definitely going to be a very good one once again for this upcoming season. Yeah, and uh, I don't know if there will be an episode tomorrow. There, If there isn't one, there's going to be one Monday. Um, but do you think there will be an episode tomorrow? Probably not. I mean, we were expecting to be this one on uh, yes tomorrow, but uh, I mean, I don't think it will happen. Uh, football is obviously happening. Football is a very big part of our Sundays, but uh, you never know. And another thing you might know, uh, next weekend, it, obviously it is Halloween weekend. We're thinking about doing a live uh, podcast on our Instagram. And what the topic is, it is very classified information right now, but uh Expect over the weekend, and we'll make an announcement probably on Instagram and Twitter uh, about a live stream podcast, uh, obviously on our Instagram live. And that should be a very interesting thing to do. I mean, we were talking about it. We kind of just thought of the idea. I mean, a ton of people have done it. So we thought, why not? Why should we not do it? And 
we're excited to see what it can do and where it can take us. So definitely stay tuned for that for next weekend. Yeah, and that concludes today's episode. I um, hope you guys enjoy this. We're, we're very enjoy we're enjoying the heavy hitter conferences a lot. And we're so close to a month away. We're, we're what, four, we're four, eight hours as we speak right now from a day away from college basketball. You mean a month? Yeah, yeah, a month. I'm just, I'm just that excited right now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm very excited as well. I mean, it's, it's, it's finally here. I mean, we've waited so long for this to actually be the day, and we didn't even know a couple months ago if this would be the day, and we didn't know if this season would actually be happening. But now that it finally is, uh, let us rejoice because college basketball is finally going to be back and almost a month away. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, guys, thank you guys for all the support. Thank you guys for watching. Thank you guys for listening on our, our platforms as well. Uh, please stay safe, and it's always March. It's always March, baby. Thank you guys for watching.